Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game and they never got the girls in high school and they just want to get to the game. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up? Welcome in. Yes, the newest addition to the VEASAN lineup, Hardwood Handicappers, two hours of nothing but National Basketball Association conversation. We have a good show on tap for the debut, at least of the on-air edition. For those who haven't, uh, check it out. Hardwood Handicappers podcast comes out now three times a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Doug Kazarian, ESPN uh, Behind the Bets podcast, of course, Daily Wager as well. He's going to be with us at the bottom of this hour as we preview his guys, the Los Angeles Lakers, and their matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans. Cool part about these Sunday games now, or these Sunday days, uh, is that we now have night games to check out and keep track of. And that's where we're going to begin. Also, Will Hill, uh, host of the New York City Cast, is going to be with us, talk a little Knicks, talk a little Nets. But we do have a game that is set to tip off between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. And wanted to note a couple of things in this one uh, before we get to the rest of our show that we have planned here today because um, I think there's some interesting angles to watch here. Namely, it's Nikola Jokic. Now, it's not going out far on a limb to say, hey, the best player in this game and perhaps the best player on the planet and the guy who maybe could be winning MVP uh, is something to watch. But points, rebounds, and assists for Nikola Jokic today set at 48 and a half and might be a little chalky to look at this thing over the total but we wanted to focus on Portland for this angle for two for two reasons right one for those who don't know Portland center rotation is an absolute nightmare Nika Nurkic done for four weeks for those who didn't see the news he was their main source of offense during that 4-0 straight up and against a spread streak that they went on right before the break. Uh, Greg Brown, who also plays some minutes at small ball center, questionable today. Uh, but either way, Drew Eubanks and Trendon Watford are your two centers for the Portland Trailblazers. As we move forward with Drew Eubanks on the floor, they have a 135.5 defensive rating, the Portland Trailblazers. With Trendon Watford on the floor, they are outscored by 13 points every 100 possessions. What I'm trying to say here is that they have literally no single body to match up with Nikola Jokic here tonight. So it'll be interesting to see what the Portland Trailblazers can do in terms of limiting Nikola Jokic, or maybe they can't. But that points, rebounds, and assists of 48.5 will be something to keep an eye on here. And as we move forward with the Portland Trailblazers, something to keep an eye on with them as well. Essentially just watching them getting smoked for the rest of the uh, season. I know a lot of people were surprised and excited about the 4-0 run right before the break. But you're talking about catching teams like Milwaukee and Memphis right before the All-Star break. Teams who have higher aspirations who just want to get out and have a couple of days off. Uh, now as we move forward, it's going to get pretty bad for the Portland Trailblazers, especially when guys like uh, Yusuf Nurkic are not going to be out there anymore. To give you an idea that we did see one game from them already, Warriors 
1.3 points per possession on offense, held the Blazers to 0.96, and of course um, got blown out. So we'll see what happens with the Denver Nuggets. Also, as we're going to get Doug's perspective on what's going to happen between the Lakers and the Pelicans later today, but there's a couple of notes that we should look at before we move on. First off, the line itself between these two, and as we approach tip-off at about 55 minutes from now, a little bit, actually probably about an hour. These things don't tip off until like five minutes after the hour. Uh, This number moving up to two and a half right now with a total of 225 and a half between the Pelicans and the Lakers. LeBron James initially on the injury report today with knee soreness. He's going to be on every injury report now as we move forward. Uh, He is dealing with this knee. It's been a problem throughout the entire season. We're also dealing with the fact that the Lakers are on the verge of potentially falling out of the play-in and potentially a lot of bad things have to happen over the last seven weeks for that to actually happen. But as we got news solidified that LeBron James was going to be out there, this number did move from one and a half to two and a half where it's at right now. But something to watch here tonight. One, the Lakers who fell to the Clippers on Friday night, now one and four straight up, two and three ATS in the last five going back to before the break. But New Orleans has been rolling actually with a new starting lineup that we should keep our eye on here in this game. Point guard, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram at the two, Herbert Jones at the three, Jackson Hayes at the four, and Jonas Valanciunas at the five, and it's a really small sample size. But with those five out there, we're talking about an offensive rating of 129.4. It's an extremely small sample size, so take it with a grain of salt. Shooting 70% at the rim, 61% on all mid-range attempts. Not a good shooting group, so we'll see if that transpires here against the Los Angeles Lakers. But the big thing to watch from a matchup perspective with this new-look Pelicans starting lineup Offensive rebounding. Uh, This is a really good rebounding group. 48.3% in terms of their offensive rebounding rate when those guys were out there. 50% in half-court situations, by the way. Again, like minute sample size, but something to watch against the Lakers because not the best rebounding team without Anthony Davis out there. Opponents grab about 27% of their own misses, 22.3 points per 100 misses, according to cleaning the glass on putbacks. That would be in the 19th percentile defensively. And Pelicans, sneaky good transition defense this year. 1.1 points per possession uh, per play to opponents off of live rebounds. That's something in which the Los Angeles Lakers thrive. So actually had a small lean here toward the Pelicans. If it gets to three before tip, um, you'll see me on the phone trying to fire away. Before we get in, all right, really quickly, want to update some of the scores uh, while we are here and we are live. There's just three games that are currently underway right now, uh, currently sweating one out as we speak. Uh, the Pistons and the Hornets. Hornets up right now, 99 to 96. Pistons ended up closing as about a, a 10 and a half point underdog, depending on where you shop. Total closed about 229, right where it opened. Uh, but the Charlotte Hornets, we're going to talk about them because they broke out in a big way against Toronto. But worth noting that they have this long winning streak against the Pistons, and they are looking to extend that. But right now, tooth and nail with Detroit with 710 left to go in the fourth. The Clippers in a tie with the Houston Rockets, 87-87, coming off of that win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Clippers uh, opened up seven, closed six and a half. Total move from 229 to 230 and a half. And then finally, uh, the big game, although from... Where we're at right now, it's not that entertaining. The Warriors have opened up a 70-52 to 52 lead with 9.02 left to go in the third. Uh, this one was interesting because the line move went from 4.5 to 2.5, then back up to 4 where it closed, total of 217.5. With that, let's, uh, let's get to what we're going to do at the start of every single show, go over some hardwood headlines and see what's going on in the world of the association from a news perspective. And there's a lot. And I think you got to start with the most obvious story, which we saw earlier this morning, this morning for the West Coast folks, James Harden playing in his first two games for the Philadelphia 76ers. And boy, oh boy, has this thing worked out through two games, huh? Harden making history through the first two contests up to this point. James Harden's sixer career, 27 points, eight rebounds, 12 assists, shooting 58% from the floor and 71% from three against the Minnesota Timberwolves. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 16 assists, 57% from the floor, 43.3% from three. Today against the Knicks, he is the first player 
in NBA history with 25 points, 10 assists in his first two games with a new team. Now, Philadelphia 2-0 straight up at ATS in the two games with Harden. The team, how about this, through two games, offensive rating of 124.6 per 100 possessions uh, with Harden on the floor with them. Absolutely an incredible offensive rating. Um, the ability to, you know, I keep seeing a lot of, hey, man, James Harden is really going to cut into the scoring for Joel Embiid. That's not the case. Harden's going to cut into scoring for everybody else. Why in the world would you stop giving shot attempts to Joel Embiid? And that played out here again today. 34 points for Joel Embiid. 68 points through two games now with James Harden as his running mate. The big thing, though, through two games for Joel Embiid, and specifically today, got to the free throw line over 20 times today against the New York Knicks. I think, uh, yeah, I can't... It was on Twitter. I can't remember who tweeted this out, and I apologize. I will have the. Uh, I will give credit to this person when we come back. But essentially, he fouled out almost uh, every guy on the New York Knicks that was six eight or taller. It was incredible what Joel Embiid was able to do today. These two are going to work out splendidly together. Still have some questions here and there how they operate defensively. There was a couple of moments. Uh, one sticks out: Minnesota Timberwolves game. There is a 1-5 pick and roll. Harden looks like he switches, but Joel Embiid drops, leaves a wide open attempt for Patrick Beverly. He doesn't hit it, but still, those little things I think are going to work themselves out defensively. Um, Also, when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, one thing you notice when you watch them, they really need a backup center. Paul Millsap has been getting most of the minutes at center when Joel Embiid leaves the floor. You would think that maybe there's a buyout market approach here. They did recently sign Willie Cauley-Stein to a 10-day contract. They got Paul Reed on this roster, but it does look like maybe backup center is going to be something they're going to be hunting for. But overall, through two games, you got to be really impressed with what uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid have done now to this point. And the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, for all of those who said Harden was cooked, Well, you might want to hold on. It's only two games, so as we move forward, we'll see if this is going to get better, and the New York Knicks aren't really the best opponent to to get excited about in terms of success because they've been kind of crappy, and we know how thin and banged up they are now at this point, and Kemba Walker's no longer on the roster, so now they're just rolling with the young guys, which we'll talk about with Will Hill coming up in the next hour. But regardless, off to a really solid start, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers experiment with James Harden. Also, a bit of news to go on. Kevin Durant, this is really net center. That's why I wanted to talk to Will Hill today. Kevin Durant is going to return sometime in the next week. This comes, of course, courtesy of Steve Nash and shoot around right before the win over Milwaukee on Saturday. Nash had this to say, quote, I expect in the next week he'll be back for sure. He being Kevin Durant. It could be quick. It could be the whole week, barring any setbacks. Number one thing is to get him healthy and feeling secure in his health and body so he can move and be free. So the question is, when could he return? Well, According to Alex Schiffer, who covers the Nets for The Athletic, Steve Nash said it's likely Kevin Durant doesn't play in either game against Toronto. They have two games against Toronto to start the week. They play tomorrow, and then they play one more game in the middle of the week. So best guess would be Thursday. They have a home game against the Miami Heat, as we know. Kyrie Irving will not be available, but that would be your best guess as to when Kevin Durant could return. And speaking of Kyrie Irving playing at home games, how about this report today from Sham Sharanya? Hope for the Brooklyn Nets. New York City will lift key to NYC vaccine mandate on March 7th, assuming numbers stay on track per Mayor Eric Adams. But, Shams goes on to say, I'm told the private sector mandate still restricts Kyrie Irving from playing in home games, although he could enter Barclays Center as a spectator. How about that? So, we could get the vaccine mandate lifted, but it wouldn't affect Kyrie Irving at this point right now. Now, there are, it does seem, um, motion, the wheels are in motion, it does seem, to get Kyrie Irving back before the playoffs begin. 
But at this point right now, while the vaccine mandate could be lifted by March 7th, it would not affect those private workers, thus Kyrie Irving. Now he can go and watch the games at the Barclays Center, but he still cannot participate in the games on the floor at the Barclays Center. So as we move forward, that is still going to be a Kyrie Irving-less squad that takes the floor in Brooklyn. And by the way, the report that we also had over the weekend that Nets star Ben Simmons dealing with back soreness and reconditioning process that requires further strengthening of the area over a period of time before a return to action, I would say that he's not going to be out there on the floor uh, in Philadelphia on March 10th. We're going to get back to the Nets. Uh, of course, they're a big topic, and they had a pretty big win on Saturday over the Milwaukee Bucks. And we're also going to touch on Draymond Green participating in his first non-contact practice since January. What does it mean for the Golden State Warriors? Well, we'll tell you, and we'll also tell you what it means for the Defensive Player of the Year odds. All right, we'll come back with that and much more. It's the first episode of the Harvard Handicappers here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome back in. Harvard Handicappers' new show on the lineup. A reminder that you need to take in our bracket betting coverage starting Sunday, March 13th. Six hours of free live coverage for the full bracket reveal. Opening lines for every single game. Greg Hoops Peterson. We're going to chain him to the desk. He doesn't get to leave until he analyzes every single game gives out picks for every single one of those things too uh check it out hey guess what i get to be part of it as well so i'll be there a man of many hats myself uh we'll be uh breaking it down chopping it up just me and a couple of guys who love college hoops check that out again beeson.com okay so plenty left to get to again we got about 45 minutes uh from now we'll probably have tip for lakers and pelicans doug kazarian of espn is going to be with us 30 minutes so we can break that down get his perspective doug big lakers guy big lakers guy uh but let's stick with the west coast so currently the uh, golden state warriors up 75 uh, 78 to 57 uh we'll check that 78 59 with 540 left to go, they're about a four-point favorite depending on where you shop at this game against the Dallas Mavericks. But let's talk big picture about the Golden State Warriors because, as we know, uh, Draymond Green has not been on the court for them. Uh, he had what initially was a calf issue that was then tied to a back issue. Very serious, uh, if you ask me, if you got two things that are affecting one another. And he's been out over the last 15 games, not including, or excuse me, 25 games, not including the one that they're playing here. Since Draymond has been out, 13 and 8 straight up for the Golden State Warriors, 7 and 14 ATS. They're plus 3.2 in terms of the net rating. So the winning record's solid, but they're being priced 
like they're an all-time contender when in reality they're an above-average basketball team without him on the court. Well, let's hear from Draymond because he participated in his first non-contact practice the other day. And I got to tell you, uh, pretty vague about when his return is going to be, and it doesn't sound very positive. Just as soon as, as, like I said, as soon as I feel like I'm whole and can get back out there and get my feet back under me and get my feel back before the playoffs, great. If that's 15 games, fantastic. If it's 10, then I'll make do. If it's five, then the five's going to have to work. Uh, and that's just kind of where I am. Um, as far as contact scrimmaging, hopefully that'll come sooner rather than later. But again, I can't really tell you like, oh, I'm ready for contact scrimmaging because I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that um, like that looks like. I don't know like where are you, where are you from a progression standpoint to where it's like, oh, you, you're ready for contact now. I mean, if it's up to me, I'll tell you I'm ready for contact today. Am I really ready for contact today? Probably not. But if you want me to tell you, I'm ready for contact today. So I, I don't really. No, I don't have the answers. Doesn't have the answers, and it does sound like it's pretty vague on when he could come back here. Now, it, the Golden State Warriors are going to be pretty fun, right? They're going to be two or three, depending on what happens. Uh, they are locked into losing the tiebreaker with Memphis uh, because they are down 2-1 in the series of the Memphis Grizzlies, keep in mind. But I guess the next tiebreaker uh, outside of head-to-head -head record, get this, is actually division winner. So since the Memphis Grizzlies are going to win their division, even if this regular season series ends up 2-2, uh, they will indeed win the tiebreaker. So if it comes to that, they would have an edge over Golden State. They would win the two-seed in case of a tie in terms of record. So we keep that in mind as we move forward. But regardless, this is about getting him back out there because he does improve them in terms of their offense. He improves them on the defensive end of the floor. He's a full point guard for them. And you, you watch this Golden State Warriors team over this stretch that I'm talking about in terms of these 25 games. This would be 26 here today, and they're up by about 17 points over Dallas. This offense has struggled. This team, from an offensive rating standpoint, middle of the pack in terms of their offense, 14th since Draymond Green has been out. And while that doesn't seem, hey, 14th, it's still above average. This is a team that at the beginning of the year at one point looked like they were going to be one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but now become overly reliant on Steph Curry to generate something. So, with that, as we kind of move forward here, keep this in mind. But also, big picture, this becomes interesting. Let's take a look at the Defensive Player of the Year odds really quickly. Because Defensive Player of the Year, for those who have been paying attention, uh, of course, uh, is something that I'm very interested in, considering that I have a Jaron Jackson Jr. ticket of 300-1 to to win said award. But it also becomes interesting because throughout the entire season, Draymond Green has been one of the top choices to win Defensive Player of the Year, uh, as has Rudy Gobert, who did come back right before the break and did play today against the Phoenix Suns. But if you look at the way the top of the board shakes out right now for Defensive Player of the Year, it is one Rudy Gobert, who is the odds-on favorite at minus 130, Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus 425, and then who falls out of the mix, uh, but one Draymond Green, who is now tied with Jaron Jackson Jr. at plus 700. So this becomes now, as we look at it, Rudy Gobert's, it seems, award to lose at this point. And Rudy Gobert from an impactful standpoint, has not been the same player he was as the last few years, but still one of the best defensive players in the NBA. So looks like we're down to about four guys who could potentially win this award. Mikhail Bridges could sneak in there as well. But Draymond Green kind of falling out of the pack here with missing time, and especially after hearing a quote like that where he doesn't know if it's going to be five games before the playoffs start. He doesn't know if it's going to be ten games before the playoffs start. I feel like we can kind of chalk it up to Draymond Green out of the running given the fact that he's going to miss a lot of time here. So Defensive player of the year now wide open, and our guy Jaron Jackson Jr. has one fewer person to climb over. With that, 
Let's go back to the Eastern Conference. Let's talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I kind of wanted to focus a little bit on Milwaukee, but to recap what just happened the other day, Brooklyn Nets 126, Milwaukee Bucks 123. Brooklyn closes a 9.5-point favorite. Total closes 236.5. The dog not only covers, but wins outright in that matchup. And Kyrie Irving scores a season high. Not the big of a, not that big of an accomplishment considering he's played in like 19 games, but still 38 points, five rebounds, five assists, and two steals for Irving, who goes on to lead the Brooklyn Nets along with Seth Curry, who had 19 points of his own and made four three pointers, and overcame Bobby Portis, who had 30 himself, in an outright win over the Milwaukee Bucks the other day. So from the Milwaukee Bucks standpoint, as we look at this here and you see the stat lines from all three of those guys, there's an incredible performance from Kyrie Irving in that game against Milwaukee. The question I think here as we come out of this contest is what in the hell is going on with the Milwaukee Bucks? Since January 1st, the Milwaukee Bucks, 12 and 12 straight up, they're 9 and 15 against the spread, perfectly average in terms of their net rating and non-garbage time minutes, just outscoring opponents by only 2.2 points every 100 possessions. Their defense has been well below average, giving up 113.7 points per 100 possessions in those non-garbage time minutes. And if you kind of like break it down, right, opponents aren't really doing that much special. The problem, though, again, as we have seen from the Milwaukee Bucks in the past, has been this perimeter defense and the style of defense that they play. Bucks are allowing opponents to shoot 36.1% from three since January 1st. And while 36.1% in the NBA doesn't sound like a lot, when your opponents are averaging about 43-point attempts per game, shooting 36% on those 43-point attempts per game is going to be pretty damaging for you in a lot of these contests. Frankly, it's why I kind of feel like Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, should have, you know, should have a little ding on the resume in terms of MVP because his team since January 1st really hasn't seemed to give a crap. But I think big picture as we look at this from Milwaukee, I think there's some real questions you have to ask. Pat Connaughton goes down with a hand injury right after they ship off Dante DiVincenzo. In the grand scheme of things, Pat Connaughton might not mean that much, but remember in those small ball lineups, he plays a small forward position for them. It's a very big loss after shipping away Dante DiVincenzo. They're trying to patch the center position up with getting guys like Serge Ibaka in there. Sandro Mamokelishvili is filling in time. Giannis is their small ball center, and that's one of their more effective lineups. And Bobby Portis has been playing for center for them as well. And maybe that gets you a little, uh, maybe that gets you somewhere, right? But we know that Brooke Lopez has been dealing with back surgery since the beginning of the season. So there's just little things here and there. I've been pretty stubborn in the fact that I've said, look, for me, the best team in the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks. That, that was my team at the beginning of the season. I've kind of held true up to this point right now and won't really budge off of it until you get to the games that matter because I feel like winning a championship does put that little, you know, that little tick uh, in your ear where you're like, hey, you know, I don't really have to try that hard. We just got to get to the playoffs. But at the end of the day, the beginning of the season – the Philadelphia 76ers did not have James Harden. At the beginning of the season, the Brooklyn Nets did not have Ben Simmons. And that changes things in the grand scheme of the Eastern Conference. The Chicago Bulls were not competing for a number one overall seed. The Miami Heat did not have one of the best defensive starting fives in the NBA, right? Things change as you move forward here. And I think if you are a somebody who highly rated the Milwaukee Bucks like I did, if you're a futures holder in terms of the Milwaukee Bucks, if you're like our esteemed producer out here behind the glass who loves the Milwaukee Bucks, as do a couple of the people behind the glass here, you think you really got to look at this from the perspective of, all right, we're not gonna we're not gonna hit the panic button, but there's something to watch here. And you look at some of the numbers too, by the way, because this is a team that has been still valued by the market, like a team that is one of the best in the NBA. They close nine and a half against Brooklyn. They lose outright. They fail to cover. They close as a six and a half point favorite against Philadelphia right before the break. They lose outright. They fail to cover. They close as a twelve point favorite against Portland right before the break. They lose outright. They fail to cover. Obviously, at Phoenix, they close as a three point underdog. Get blown off the floor. Don't even come close to covering that number. So this has been kind of a slide here for Milwaukee that has extended now to well over a month. 
And I think this is something that we should kind of, you know, just stick in the back of your head and keep an eye on here. All right, really quickly, and this is a quick note because I want to get to the Oklahoma City Thunder at some point as well, uh, but the Charlotte Hornets, uh, 125 to 93. I want to go over this score really quickly because they're in action right now. They're up 112 to 110 over the Detroit Pistons with a little under a minute left to go. So I'm going to lose this one uh, later earlier today with the Charlotte Hornets, but Hornets going into the break were one and nine in their 10 games right before. And if you read any of the work on Point Spread Weekly or the column, vcin.com slash JVT, kind of noted that, hey, look, man, the Hornets are in a place where if you looked at some of their numbers and the shot location and quality, that they were set to break out offensively here when you get into the second half of the season. The second half, there's only about 22 games left. Well, they did it in a big way when they beat the crap out of the Toronto Raptors the other day. And while today their defense is failing them, uh, still offensively, and a really good way here against the Detroit Pistons. So watch out for the Charlotte Hornets from an offensive standpoint as you move forward here in the last seven weeks of the regular season. All right, we come back. We had a big bit of news that came out today, and it has to do with a sleeping giant in the Western Conference that I just recently bet at 16-1. to 1. We'll tell you what that team is, what the news is, when we come back here on Hardwood Candy Campers. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Since Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. One more local insight on the Chicago, Detroit, D.C., Denver, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, or Pittsburgh market. Check out VSIN CityCast's sports betting podcast today. This is the best local sports betting podcast to keep you up to date on the line moves and odds for every team. There's no better resource for getting all the stats you need to make a great decision on your next bet for your team. Check out the free local Bet River Sportsbook CityCast podcast. Now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The crew does a great job. All right. To update uh, really quickly, we do have games obviously underway right now on this Sunday night. Um, one of my favorite players in the NBA and one player that I will text Patrick Maher, host of the Lombardi line, uh, consistently about. And who knows? Maybe Patrick's listening. Patrick, if you're listening, you know what I'm about to say, which is Sadiq Bay uh, does it again, potentially a, a wild play, which ends up with Sadiq Bay from the Detroit Pistons getting a look from the corner and nailing it to give the Pistons a 115 to 112 lead over the Charlotte Hornets. Now, Charlotte got the ball, but... This is a great conversation to be had because at the end of the Bucks and Nets game, there were complaints that the last 20 seconds took about 20 minutes because the Nets are actually smart and with a three-point lead kept fouling, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, the Pistons did foul up three, so they, of course, give two shots to the Hornets. Hornets down, down, 115-114 with 10.8 left to go on the clock. We will see if any dramatic things can unfold here, but Detroit right now holding on to a slim lead and potentially a win that would cut this down only need 12 wins going forward for the rest of the season over the last 20. Let me see. I got uh, 21 games. Only need 12 wins to go over the win total. So we'll see if that's going to happen. Not that I have anything invested in that. All right. So a couple of things to touch on uh, before we move on. And some quick notes about some of the results from today and from a couple of days ago. So, for example, I had this written down, and it's definitely worth noting because it happened again today. So uh, the other night, Oklahoma City Thunder, right, get a big win over the Indiana Pacers, 129 to 125. By the way, watch out for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They continue to cover numbers. This is ridiculous now. How about this? For the Thunder, after that cover over the Indiana Pacers the other night, they move into second behind Memphis for best cover rate in the league. The Thunder have covered 65.5% of their games. They are just 0.1% behind the Memphis Grizzlies for best cover rate in the NBA this season. But 
The angle to talk about here are those two guys in that team in yellow, and that would be the Indiana Pacers. Because since the beginning of January, the Pacers are 29th in defensive efficiency on the year. They're giving up 119.8 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. And today, again, against the Boston Celtics, in a game that they won, by the way, 128 to 107. But the market is not catching up with this here, folks. After the win today over the Boston Celtics, a game that went over the total for the Indiana Pacers, since the beginning of January, the Indiana Pacers are now 19-7 and to the over in the last 26 games. This has been a big run for the Indiana Pacers to the over, and it's just this new look, right? Higher ceiling or higher floor, we'll call it, uh, on offense, higher ceiling as well, uh, and very poor defensively leads to some of these high-scoring affairs, and you're still seeing some of these games, right, in terms of the closing totals, hasn't really caught up with the Indiana Pacers and how often these games have been going over the total. Again, 19-7 and to the over over the last 26 games. Indiana now for the season, 55.7%. This has been this big run as of late. But some of the closing totals here for the Indiana Pacers are still talking about 226, 226 and a half, 214. Now, some of them are getting up there. They played Milwaukee the other day. That total closed 236 and a half. Still went over the total, by the way. They played Minnesota the other day, 240 and a half. That still went over the total, by the way. Uh, right now, they are on a run in which six out of seven games have gone over the total at this point right now. But keep in mind that this Indiana Pacers trend does not seem to be dying anytime soon. And now, over the last, again, 26 games, 19 and seven to the over. So with that, let's get to the news that I was discussing here before we went out. Uh, we got this from Adrian Wojnarowski, and it has to do with the team actually right now that is up 25-17 to 17 over the Portland Trailblazers with 2.14 left to go in the first quarter. That would be the Denver Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. apparently is on the verge of a return, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, Porter Jr. from Wojnarowski's report, quote, progressing to be cleared for on-court activity within the next week, freeing a path for him to return to the lineup sometime in March his agent of Priority Sports told ESPN on Sunday. That's a pretty big deal, right? Because I actually, on Friday, on uh, the edition of Hardwood Handicappers, talked to Chad Andrews out in Denver, and we discussed the probability that both Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray would be coming back at some point for the Denver Nuggets. And that is massive for the Denver Nuggets because if you remember back to last year when Jamal Murray was fully healthy, and Michael Porter Jr. wasn't great last year, but still uh, another piece for a bench that has been abhorrent for Denver this season. This Denver Nuggets team could be a finals contender this season. Denver, right now, as you can see, squarely sixth in the playoff standings, so outside of the play-in by about four and a half games or so, so uh, three and a half, actually. If my, I'm not great at math on the fly, but I'm going to go with three and a half. Um, but squarely in the playoff picture, if they get Michael Porter Jr. back with time left to go in the regular season, if they get Jamal Murray back with time left to go in the regular season, now, all of a sudden... You're looking at a Western Conference in front of them that has the Phoenix Suns, who has Chris Paul on the mend with a thumb injury, who has a Golden State Warriors, who's best defensive player and just second-best player overall, has been dealing with a back and calf issue for a majority of the season. The third-seeded Memphis Grizzlies are pretty good, but very young and don't have anywhere near the playoff experience that a team like the Denver Nuggets does, right? You can go down the list. The Utah Jazz have their own issues, their playoff bugaboo, in which they continue to fail and flounder in the postseason and have some, I think, roster issues when it comes to guys who can consistently guard on ball. And I think that Nikola Jokic, uh, as good as Rudy Gobert is, can still have success against him. The Denver Nuggets all of a sudden become much more viable as an option to win the Western Conference. And so the reason why I made this bet uh, for them to win the Western Conference at 16-1 to 1 was just kind of a play on the numbers, right? You expected that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. were going to come back at some point. Thus, you expected the market then reacts 
And I also believe in that version of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, last season, when they were going on their run right before Jamal Murray got hurt, uh, I was all in and ready to, hey, man, this is my team to win the Western Conference once the postseason started. But ultimately, Jamal Murray tears up his knee in that game against the Golden State Warriors, and we all know what happened from there. And there's still some flaws with this team, right? There's a reason why when Yikali Okic is on the court, their net rating is over 10, but when he's off the court, their net rating is negative 14. They go from better than the Suns to worse than the Pistons when Nikola Jokic leaves the floor. But additions, like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., help that and adds a body to the bench. It adds, of course, a dynamic point guard whose two-man game, two game with Nikola Jokic is one of the best in the NBA. There's, there's, it seems to. There's reason to think that the Denver Nuggets are on their way up the standings. And even if they don't get to, like, fifth or fourth, there's reason to believe that this team is going to be a legitimate threat when it comes to the grand scheme of things. And you even think about it. If they're fully healthy and fully realized and Jamal Murray comes back, let's say with three weeks left in the regular season, he gets those games underneath his belt, practice time, all of that. Then you're talking about a 3-6 matchup between them and the Memphis Grizzlies, in which I would consider a very winnable series for the Denver Nuggets, especially fully realized. And from there, who knows what happens in the rest of the rounds and what happens in the second ma- or, excuse me, in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. But regardless, the path is there, and thus, that's why I made the bet to... Um, for the Denver Nuggets to win the Western Conference. As it stands right now, in terms of the futures market for the Western Conference and for the NBA Finals for the Denver Nuggets, still at about 15, 16 to 1, depending on where you shop. Best number I found was at Boyd. It was 17 to 1 out here in Las Vegas. And to win a championship, uh, if you so choose to go that route, Denver Nuggets can still be found in the range of 35 to 1. If you kind of want to bet on this news and bet on the fact that Jamal Murray is indeed going to be out there um, this coming season. And if you want a little bit of evidence, I'll, I'll tell you this much. And it's a really small sample size, so keep this in mind as we go to some of the numbers uh, that we saw last season with Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Aaron Gordon on the floor together last season. So again, a very small sample size as you look at the future odds there. The Denver Nuggets outscored opponents by 17 points every 100 possessions. They averaged 127 points per 100 possessions offensively and only gave up 110. So this is a really good unit. Again, 237 possessions around there, according to Cleaning the Glass. We're only talking about two and a half games worth of sample size fully. Uh, But this is a team that I think is going to be primed to be competitive in a very, we'll call it even-keeled Western Conference. Uh, With that, too, and this is just, I'll get on the soapbox here for a moment as you look at the futures odds, you know, I know at this point right now, when a lot of people dive into the NBA, as you see the odds right now to win the NBA championship, Suns at plus 380, Warriors plus 450, Nuts, uh, Nets, Nets at plus 475, uh, 76ers at 7-1, Bucks at 750, and then you get to the double digits, Heat, Jazz, Celtics. Um, the, the big conversation is always, hey, man, where's the value in the futures market? You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to it's uh, the right answer is there is none. And at this point, there kind of isn't. Take the Celtics, for example, right? The Celtics are a dynamic defensive team who have been playing really good basketball. Well, right before the All-Star break in about a week and a half ago, you could have gotten them in the range of 50 or 60 to 1 to win the NBA Finals. Now you got them at 22 to 1 or 9 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference and then being bantied about as potentially a, you know, a good value selection in the Eastern Conference. I just don't believe that to be the case. So for me, when you're hunting for value at this point of the season, you're hunting for nuggets like this where you're looking for literally, hey, look at like literally and figuratively, the Denver Nuggets who could potentially be getting better because a guy is returning and thus you're kind of gambling here a little bit and gambling on the fact that those two guys are going to come back and that the odds are going to shift there and that you're going to be sitting on a 16 to one, for example, like I am to win the Western conference on a team that could eventually close at about eight, nine to one to win the Western conference once the postseason begins. So something to keep an eye on with Denver as you move forward. And that was some pretty big news today with that. 
We're going to take our break. On the other side, Doug Kazarian, a host of Daily Wager, is going to join us behind the best pod as well. His Lakers have a game coming up in about 25 minutes from now. They will be taking on the New Orleans Pelicans, trying to get off the schneid here. Can they match up with the Pels in their new look lineup? We'll find out with Doug on the other side here on Hardwood Handicappers. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. and this is 20 questions on deadline joining me today is allison Bree. welcome allison we got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album the one that was like you've already won me over oh that's a good one yeah it's a very all slow the, all the options in spite of me <laughs> like what did we do it's so slow don't forget to listen to 20 questions on deadline thank you again allison thank you Decent's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops, Peterson, on every key team, conference player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VEASAN through April 5th, only $19. VEASAN.com. Slash madness. That's less than the stupid Mario Kart set that I just bought for my son at Target the other day because he just wouldn't stop talking about it. Doug Kazarian is with us of ESPN behind the bets pod. Also, of course, Daily Wager. Nice enough to give us some time on the uh, premiere episode, at least on air, of Hardwood Handicappers. And Doug, your boys are in action a little bit later. We got about what 15, 20 minutes from tip. So let's start with your Los Angeles Lakers. A big picture as we head into the uh, second half here last 22 games. Um, I know we talked on the Hardwood Handicappers podcast on Wednesday, but for those who didn't hear it, uh, your stance on the Lakers as you move here into the last three, or you know, uh, I should say seven weeks of the regular season. Stance on the Lakers is what? Well, it's, it's been what it's been since day one of this regular season. For some reason, we, like we, the public, knew more than the Lakers front office and maybe LeBron in terms of how the pieces just don't fit on this team. So I have literally probably bet on the Lakers like two or three times all season. I've probably bet against them 20 times. Uh, they're just, there's just attacks on the Lakers. They're just not worth it. Even tonight they're getting some steam and I'm texting a few people like, what am I missing here? I think the Pelicans with this new look Pelicans should be able to score at will. And I just think the Lakers, I'm not saying they're a mess, but they're just not talented or, you know, and they, they have guys who get open shots that I don't think are going to make it. THT went on with was pretty successful and hot down the stretch the other night, but I still never thought he was going to make the shot mm-hmm. mellow. I mean, whatever uh, monk, I do think he's going to make it And LeBron's obviously evolved his shooting over the recent years. And it's pretty impressive. But for the most part, this is a team that really lacks what you need in this. What's become a very specialized uh, game in the NBA, right? I mean, all these other teams, 
have guys who can bomb threes. I just watched the Rockets, and they're terrible. But even, like, Christian Wood can step back and hit a three. And, and all these other guys in the Lakers just don't have the shooting that they, they should. So it is what it is. And obviously we know about the Westbrook mess. But I just think there's always value against them. Yeah, right now, for those who haven't been keeping track all day, uh, we saw this number of most spots open up at one and a half in favor of the Los Angeles Lakers. We're up to three right now with a total of 225 and a half over at the South Point. That's the high side of the number. Everywhere else is about two and a half right here. And I think we see this all the time in the market, Doug. You know, like LeBron James, it's so he's on the injury report is questionable with a sore knee. He's going to be on the injury report every single day. But the market has this weird thing where it's like, oh, hold on. Maybe he's not going to play today. So there's this like trepidation with the line and it opens up one and a half. And then once he's officially confirmed, you see the market respond to news that we kind of knew. It's like to your point about the tax, like this is just responding to news, I think, at least because it's kind of coincided with the official LeBron's playing tonight. Uh, I think that's kind of what we see in this line move here. I think the market was a like first like, ah, I don't know. But we kind of knew he was going to play, and we still get this reaction from the market in terms of the betting line. So that's interesting. I didn't think of that, but now that you say it out loud, I mean, look, there was a chance I had heard some people thinking LeBron may not play Friday. I was like, well, how is he not going to play? He just did the All-Star weekend and all that, and he played. So I guess this knee thing is a thing. When you're you know, you're know, up there in basketball years, it's certainly understandable. I, uh, I'm just, I'll believe it when I see it, because right now there's a window of opportunity. I can see if things go, don't go their way the next couple of weeks. LeBron not won't pack it in, but there'll be some nights he takes off because of his knee and they're just kind of looking ahead to the future. I, I just can't get behind this team that I don't look. Even if they cover, I'm going to go against them the next game. I mean, a lot of this is just make or miss league, right? Like mm-hmm. even the Illinois game, Illinois led wire to wire today, but up four with 45 seconds ago, he hit a bomb three at the end of the shot clock. If that doesn't go, then it turns into a much different game. So uh, you can be on the right side and not get it. So, like, this game will come down to the wire, and it won't be a blowout. And I just trust the Pelicans more, and I think they're playing pretty uh, pretty effectively offensively given the new additions they had. And, you know, I think they're kind of team that comes to L.A. and is hungry. Yep. So uh, you mentioned the new-look Pelicans. Uh, C.J. McCollum now playing point guard for him. Brandon Ingram at the two. Herbert Jones, a good young player defensively for the Pelicans. Jackson Hayes looks like he's going to be their starting power forward. And Jonas Valanciunas. So I, I'm assuming, did you grab three, two and a half here? Uh, do any other ways that you played this year tonight? I've grabbed two, and I actually have a money line parlay I threw. It's now paying uh, plus 250. It was a couple, uh, you know, I had, like the, I had the uh, Sixers, and I had the, actually the Clippers got away with that one. But uh, so now I'm just going to, I was, I liked the money line early in the day. I just wasn't sure where the line would move. And it was one and a half when I did that. So I threw it in the money line parlay, knowing that I was going to hammer the Pelicans either way and roll and essentially roll over my money anyway. So what I did is I just, I, if I know I'm going to play a game big at night, then I sometimes incorporate in a parlay from stuff during the day that I want to get a little piece of. Yeah, I like it. Um, speaking of, so we do have games that are currently underway. Should note uh, the comeback here that the Dallas Mavericks are trying to stage. 3.54 left to go in the fourth. It is a 94-93 lead for the Golden State Warriors. We last updated this. The Warriors were up by about 17 points. Well, of course, that lead is no more. We'll see if uh, the Mavericks can pull this thing off against Golden State. All right, so let's talk about some other stuff in the league before we get you out of here, Doug. And first off, uh, let's touch on something we talked off uh, on the air, or excuse me, off the air just now. The Detroit Pistons right now are in an overtime game with the Charlotte Hornets. It's 126-125 with about uh, nine seconds left to go in the extra period. Pistons play extremely tough against the Boston Celtics going into the All-Star break, coming out of the All-Star break. Pist- I like a lot of youth on this Pistons team, namely Sadiq Bay and, of course, Kate Cunningham. How can you not? Uh, you think they're a play-on team here going forward in the second half? I keep saying second half. In the last seven weeks of the season? Yeah, post-All-Star break is fair. Um, I, I do. I actually was all about the Celtics last yesterday morning 
uh, coming off, remember they lost to him right before the break. It was their only loss before the All-Star game. And I took a bath on the game. I, I just took a bath and I, I watched the entire game thinking I could pick a couple live spots. And they're just a solid team at full strength, right? You got to have all their guys in, with whether it be Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and obviously Cunningham, like you alluded to. And they, with Dwayne Casey's the coach, I mean, look, the guy's been a coach of a one seed in the East. Like he knows what he's doing and he's developed talent as well. So he's developed this young core. Diallo and some of these other guys off the bench, Killian Hayes, and they're catching like nine. Now the Hornets are explosive. I will say that. So I, I actually live bet them. I wasn't totally gung ho going into the game. I wanted to see a little bit, but they fight, man. They play hard, and they're definitely a bet on. I was impressed with what I saw them against Boston. They had no fear. They took it to the Celtics. Now clearly the Celtics were running on empty a little bit as we saw today in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pistons are competent. If, if one of those guys are out, I'm not touching them. But they have like legit players, and they play hard. It's there's some teams we've seen like the Thunder come to mind that only have a couple legit players. These guys are all like legit NBA guys. And yes, they're bad, but like, they're not bad. Like the Rockets, the Rockets have just this disoriented offense where they're chucking and ducking. I feel like the Pistons run a normal set and have the three pointers in a natural flow of the offense. And they have some more veterans than the Rockets. I mean, look, they're all young for the most part, besides like Eric Gordon. And uh, I don't like Singoon that much. There's some guys I don't like on Houston, but they're just too much. They shoot a lot for guys who aren't really sharpshooters. So it's a different kind of bad lottery team. Uh, I, I like their chances in, in catching a lot of points. When you have a guy like Olenek even, he comes and busts threes and stuff like that. So it's certainly a bet on team when you're catching like seven or more. All right. So when I talked to you on Wednesday, and I don't want to put words on your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you thought that Phoenix was going to be a bet against team, correct? No, I thought they were going to be good. Oh, I thought they were going to be fine. Right. I thought it was I thought it was a blessing in disguise. I thought they were like, A, avoiding any more Chris Paul injuries between now and the playoffs, and B, guys like Bridges and, and Aiton and maybe even Campaign when he comes back will get a chance. They'll get some, like, key plays at the very, uh, you know, in crunch time, right? That crunch time was their bread and butter with with Booker and Paul. So maybe somebody else will get a look. You know, someone will they'll force a shot to someone else like Bridges. I didn't think they would be collapsing like this. I mean, obviously they got the win against OKC, but it's really interesting. And I'm, I'll tell you what's coming to mind is a Warriors future bet to win the Pacific. I laughed when someone said, hey, how about plus 850? Because they'd have to shave like seven games and in, in in 20 games left. Mm-hmm. They might be able to do it if Phoenix is going to struggle this much. Yeah, I, so I bet I bet this like in the beginning of the season. This was not a, hey, let's go hunting once the Suns get a little thin. I've got the Warriors at like a... It's like about a two-to-one ticket on them to win the Pacific. It was like right at the beginning of the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there might be a little life now here. They're up. Uh, they're down by five and a half, and we'll see what happens in this Warriors-Mavericks uh, game so they can cut that by a little bit more. All right, Doug, last 90 seconds. Uh, I will give you the floor. Your early thoughts on the first two games in Philly with James Harden leading the way. It was great. Great. I thought they would take some time to adjust. I actually thought, like, Embiid would almost overcompensate to make Harden more comfortable. But I think they've been great. I'm going to start looking at first quarter overs, just given how they attack and put teams in the bonus so early. And then obviously both guys are really good foul shooters as well. I really like them. I think a guy like Tobias Harris is having trouble fitting in. I'm going to look to his unders early until the market adjusts. But it looks like uh, Maxi might be the third wheel before Tobias Harris is. So uh, that's going to be like sort of the domino effect. But Harden's obviously a basketball wizard. We knew that. We've known that for many years when he played alongside Paul and then went to Brooklyn alongside Durant. It just didn't work out. Malcontent. But uh, I think it's going to work with Philly. It's just a lot of moving forces here. A lot of juju right now in Philly because you got the city and all that. You got Doc Rivers and all that. And then a Harden who's got certainly a playoff narrative. So there's a lot of negative vibes out there. We'll 
It'll be fun to see come playoff time, but they're certainly talented. Yep, I'll tell you what. The, one of the angles I was looking at here, Tyrese Maxey, he seems to at least have the eye of James Harden, 28 and 21 points, and Harden assisted on a lot of those things. He likes the kid, especially in transition, so we'll see if that continues. Doug Kazarian, ESPN. Doug, thanks for the time tonight, man. You got it, bud. Have a good night. Yep, you too. At Doug ESPN up on Twitter. All right, we'll come back. Second hour of the program. We're not done. We get two hours on Harvard Candy Cappers. Start to take a look at the Monday slate of action in the association. Get an early. Get an early. Get an early. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 